my ex and the neighborhood crackhead that hangs out at 7-Eleven. They're all people that I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. And in this episode, we're definitely going to be talking about people that we are not going to be touching with a 10-foot pole anytime soon, whether that's Dynasty, Redraft, or whatever type of format your league currently has. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It is Natter with another legendary Sleeper Wire episode. Of course, I am alongside the number one Australian analyst, Sheehan. How are you doing over there? I'm good. We, uh, we're still recovering from the biggest game of the year, the Pro Bowl. Oh, true, um, true. So it's... It feels like a step down to now be talking about the Super Bowl this week after the cavalcade of brilliant football we saw on the weekend. All the intensity of a uh, an old person getting out of the bath, uh, but with none of the danger. You know, um, I, I had a hard time just taking my eyes off of that screen 24-7 throughout that game. Even when the game was over, I was still watching it just because like it was that it was just that crazy. The highlight of the game is Mac Jones running 80 yards on a play that doesn't even count, and then everyone, as they say, hitting the gritty. Oh, getting excited because he hit the gritty. Maybe it's time to review what we're doing. Uh, so maybe it's the Pro Bowl we don't want to touch with the 10-foot pole, but we can get to that. Yeah, I, I, I'm over the Pro Bowl. I feel like now at this point, it's kind of just more recognition than an actual game. I feel like you should just kind of get the recognition. It's like the All-Pro. Like, okay, you made the Pro Bowl. Congratulations. Okay, let's move on. Um, but of course quietly and patiently sitting alongside us right now we are joined by a special guest founder of six hack fantasy host of the fantasy pack hour and two time top five fantasy pros ranker joe bond how you doing over there hey guys uh doing good over here uh thanks for having me on how are you guys doing you know i did rankings for the first time on fantasy pros i think one time i got number one for defense and i think <laughs> i got like number one for uh number three for like kickers and then um wide receivers i think i got number seven a handful of times but uh other than that for like quarterbacks and running backs and like wide receivers i did not do good this year was uh i, I didn't i didn't finish top five this year it was uh i was 24th i think overall i was decent at i was actually like top 10 for running backs and receivers at one point both and then like the last three weeks it kind of dropped out and the tight ends i was always just sort of like middle ground quarterbacks i got absolutely destroyed on i yes. could not figure out quarterbacks like i was never picking the random dude like you know zach wilson when he was like a top five quarterback that one random week i nobody picked <laughs> that but Apparently somebody did put him higher than I did because, yeah. Anyway, I never did that. I just went with the guys who I trusted, and I didn't score very well in quarterbacks, and that's what really helped me back this year. But mm-hmm. So so I, nobody ever really gave me a crash course on how it works. I kind of have to figure out figure it out as I go. Um, so if it makes sense to me, like the quarterbacks, only the top 12 actually get ranked? Uh, no, I think it's – yeah, it's definitely not every quarterback. Now, I do rank all 32 in some – Times I rank a few more because you know there's you know a couple of those rushing Taysom Hill types who are going to get some points and so you 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 try to throw them in there just in case. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely not always. It's not all thirty or thirty two, you know, whatever. And it's only like the top sixty for receivers stuff like that. But yeah, you, you try to go a little bit deeper than just that that number. I think it kind of hurts you if you don't. But I say the biggest thing with it really is keeping them up to date. You'd be shocked at how many people set their rankings on like Tuesday or Wednesday and then they're never updated the rest of the week. And as long as you just update them with injuries and, you know, something like I'm always tweaking my rankings, but like 
1230, 1245 Eastern time uh, on Sundays because I'm just rebalancing everything out with you know guys that are inactive and then like how does that really affect everybody else and the biggest thing i had to learn over the first couple of years that i did it was you know it's not like if the number two receiver on a team is hurt right it's not just like maybe you dip the quarterback slightly and maybe you put the number one receiver up but who's like the third and fourth and f- even like the fifth receiver for that team who get a boost up you got you got to remember everybody and that's that's where it really that's where you really gain ground receivers for me was the most difficult and then the handcuff running backs that was always the hardest yeah. part for me you know but like how to rank tony pollard or you know um, damian harris Ramondre stevenson you know th- those types of running backs. Those were the, always the hardest ones for me to rank because, like, like it, it's not difficult for them to become fantasy relevant. That they no. had easy paths to to relevancy, and e- even as a backup, they had opportunities to uh, to pick up points. But you know, it, it's difficult to also put them ahead of other running backs because I mean they're not even the starter. Yeah, I, this um, year was definitely strange for me. Like one, this was this was one of the hardest years for at least the last. You know, three or four years for ranking. I just feel like there were so many crazy things that happened, you know, and it was just, it was super hard to predict um, a, a lot of the stuff. But kudos to like all the guys up top. I'm I'm friends with a lot of them, and and they uh, they are awesome. Usually more times than not. So yeah, I was gonna say I think we you're gonna improve next year because you finished last. So you know didn't. you've only got one way to go. <laughs> yes, the the, fir- the first few weeks I didn't understand it at all. Like it didn't make any sense to me, and I didn't get any guidance. So ranking and trying to figure it out how to do it made no sense. And then yeah. throughout the middle, it started to make a little bit more sense. And then towards the end, that's when I kind of like started a little bit because I decided to have a little bit of fun. I wasn't doing too good, so I decided to have fun a little bit with it. And then saying like, "Oh, I'm either getting first or last. There's no in between for me." And uh, you did. Yes. You either got first <laughs> yes. or last. Yes, that's we how it let really was. <laughs> that's let how it really was. Go and have a look. <laughs> that's how it was. But hey, we have fun with it we have fun next year it, it, it makes a lot more sense now so i think i'll definitely take it a little bit more serious next year but of course on this episode we're going to be talking about some players that we definitely don't want to be touching and players i won't be putting in my rankings for next year's rankings and whatever you are doing or whatever type of leagues you're going to be in and of course we're going to be talking about the super bowl or Sheen, is this episode coming out before or after the super bowl it's a very good question yeah we're going to be talking about the super bowl okay um, we're going to talk about the super <laughs> We're going to be talking about Super Bowl. Okay, there we go. All right. So, of course, don't forget to follow the Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter. Make sure to join the Patreon. Of course, we are a charity podcast, so any donation amount gets donated to a charitable cause. We always highly appreciate it. And, of course, following the Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter. That way you're up to date on articles, podcasts, live shows, and, of course, stay up to date with the amazing team that we currently have. So, of course, the 10-foot pole and who we are not touching on there. All right, so... I didn't necessarily put my list down because I feel like my list isn't as important as your guys' list. But I'm saying, like, if LaVisca Chenault is on there, like, it's too easy of a pick. Uh, Antonio Gibson, he's too easy of a pick. Julio Jones, he's too easy of a pick. Anybody Rashad else Bateman. on that list? Rashad Bateman, he's too easy of a pick. No, you're not allowed to pick them. Probably, I know Debo Samuel might be a little bit one where people want to talk about... Uh, uh, no, that's too easy. You know what? I'll put Cooper Cup on there as well. That's too easy of a pick to talk about. But all right. So, Shane, we'll start it off with you. 
Yep. So my my first one actually uh, comes courtesy of you, Joe. I was listening to an episode of your show today. I was like, oh yeah, Rashad Penny is one hundred percent my number one. Do not want to touch with a ten foot pole <laughs> this year. He won a lot of people leagues. He won me leagues at the back end of last year, and it just feels to me like a recipe for a player I don't want on my team. We saw it with Kenyon Drake a couple of years ago when he got hot during the fantasy playoffs, was overdrafted. And I don't think he performed. He was disappointing, I guess, compared to the expectations, but he had just an okay year. You add just an okay year to Rashad Penny and it's oh, Rashad Penny, I should say. And it's a, an underwhelming year and he misses four or five games. Um, so for me, right off the top, I, I have no interest in uh, in Rashad Penny's there. Potentially a reason I should reconsider that? No. I mean, you listen to my show. You know how I feel. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, like, pick him up in week 12 when he's going to come back off of whatever injury he had for the year and, uh, and, and win you a league again. Because he's done that, what, I feel like twice now? in the last four years. So no, uh, I'm, I'm not trusting him to stay healthy. And like, I don't really like Chris Carson anymore either. He just is continually banged up. I, I just am really avoiding the, the Seattle backfield unless they bring in somebody new at this point. The Seattle's backfield used to be always sought out after, especially uh, with Marshawn Lynch. And then after that, I think they've been trying to just fill a void at the running back position. And I think that's where I, that team just can't get it together. In the second half of the season, I think Carson's, that's the a, Carson's a solid RB two if he could stay healthy the whole year. Like he's got it, you know, he's not flashy. He's not catching a ton of passes. He just has that massive touchdown upside with him because you know Seattle's got a you know well this year bumps in the road right, but Seattle usually has a good offense with Wilson and you know DK and Lockett and, and stuff like that, and and so Carson was always kind of a, a big driving factor of why they were good too, and. He he was scoring a lot of touchdowns. So I like him as a talent. I just, he's still going to go in that like RB2, RB3 range. And he's just, he's been hurt a ton. He's always banged up. And so if he plays, it's like he gets hurt mid game and just, it crushes you. He's good enough on your roster where you can't drop him if he's hurt. Right. And you, you, you know, hopefully you have an IR spot to stash him in. But if, you know, if you happen to have like an AJ Brown who happened to be on the IR that week as well, or Julio Jones, who was on the IR consistently all of last year, storing a roster spot that you really can't afford to not have. And unfortunately, that's where Chris Carson and Rashad Penny kind of fall. I do think it'd be interesting if Chris Carson was not on the team next year. Yeah, that would that would change things slightly for me, but it's still hardest to trust him. I mean, we haven't seen a healthy year out of Rashad Penny in quite some time. I don't think we've ever seen a healthy year out of Rashad Penny. I don't think we've ever seen a healthy year out of Chris Carson as well. So, I mean, yeah. um, death taxes and a Seattle running back being injured, <laughs> we're going to have to uh, settle with that. But, of course, I mean, I, I think that's completely fair. I think Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, I think you both pair them up in this section where either one of those are going to be... I feel like I feel like if you ever take one of those running backs, it's because you have to in the draft, not because you want to. Oh, you're uh, going to your RB or you know wait until round five or six to grab your first at best and and yeah they're just sitting there you're going on the upsides there and that's all you're playing for there but most people don't play that way i'm not sure i'd feel comfortable going zero rb and then and looking at my roster and and richard uh, richard penny sitting as my rb one i uh, i'd be wondering maybe i should have gone a round or two earlier yeah, say you got um, Cooper Cup first pick in your draft. Say you have like a late slot where it's like 10 or 11. 
uh, you took maybe Cooper Cup and then on the turn, maybe you took Tyree Kill. And after that, you're kind of looking at your RB situations where you're at dire needs. Then from there, you probably have to start looking at taking like a Chris Carson in round four or five to secure at least having an RB2 spot available. But other than that, I, I don't see a reason to justify taking either one of those RBs. I think if you got uh, Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill as your first two picks off the board, you'd be pretty happy anyway. <laughs> you'd be happy, but and running backs win leagues. If you don't have a good running back, you're definitely, at least personally, I feel like you're at a massive disadvantage without a good running Strong back. disagree. And we're going to have this debate all offseason. Uh, I am more in agreement with Nader here, but I have started swinging the other way. I am not going to be a zero RB guy ever, but I have started putting less prioritization on grabbing those like stud running backs because as we saw this year, they all die. <laughs> it didn't. This year, running back almost didn't matter unless you had Jonathan Taylor and uh, Mixon, and for like a half of a season, I felt like. And um, I'm totally blanking on Eckler, right? Like if you had those three, you were gold. Other than that, it's like they were all kind of the same. Who cared? Or hurt? Yeah. Or you could pick up Rashad Penny in week 15 and go win your league. That is so, true. There you go. <laughs> That's that kind of why I'm, I'm putting less priorities. I want to at least take a stab at. Like one stud early, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach for them anymore at this point. I definitely understand that. I, I think also format really matters. I think if you're looking at a half point PPR to standard format, I think that really swings the needle towards the running back side. But once you start hitting full point PPR, I will agree with Sheet. I think wide receivers start taking a drastic turn for uh, a little bit more priority because Cooper Cup, if you took away his touchdowns. He still averaged 20 fantasy points per game in full point PPR. That's how ridiculous he was. I mean, he had a ridiculous season that I don't think he could replicate. No, but that's just no. That's just how dominant. That's just how dominant a solid wide receiver can be in full point PPR. But of course, let's move on from our Seattle dumpster fire and. Joe, what you got for us? I'm going to start with Cordero Patterson. I know a lot of people, and and myself included, were really amazed by how well he played this year and, you know, came out of nowhere. Nobody expected this at all. Um, I, for one, was a big Mike Davis truther. <laughs> yeah, that's not helping me. Um <laughs> So I remember now I remember why I was bad for running back for the first half of the season. Then I decided to stop ranking Mike Davis. No, Um, (laughs) but no, Patterson. I mean, look, this guy has been a complete dud in the NFL for what is this? Seven years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. Right. And then he comes to Atlanta. Wasn't supposed to be much of anything. And just is this Swiss Army knife? We started seeing he was Debo before Debo was Debo, right? Like it was kind of crazy, <laughs> but it was like the opposite. It was like he was supposed to be a receiver that ended up being a running back that was then. So then he was supposed to be a running back that was also a receiver. And then Debo was, you know, supposed to be. But anyway, you know what I was trying to say that didn't come out right. Uh, but no, I, I mean. Does anybody believe this is going to happen again with Patterson? I don't. I mean, look, I'm clearly ranking the guy because if nothing changes in Atlanta, I don't think they stop using him. But if you look at his game log, like down the stretch, they did stop using him a lot more. Like 
and they were using Mike Davis. And I don't know if it was because he's never come close to the workload he had this year. Uh, he had 153 rushes and 52 receptions. So over 200 touches on the, on the season. He's never come anywhere close to that. So it's almost like he started wearing down and you kind of saw it before they stopped using him. You know, his yards per attempt were going down. His yards per catch were going down. His targets were dropping. And then like, he just sort of the last few weeks just sort of fell off the map. He was getting like uh, he didn't even get ten. He didn't even get ten uh, touches. Oh, sorry, week week seventeen he got eleven. But those other two weeks it was eight and five. So not not looking good for you know that's not how you want to end the season as, as somebody who is sort of a a breakout star there. So you'd like to see them finish off strong as well. And and he didn't. And who knows what this Atlanta team is even going to look like next year? Like there's rumors that Matt Ryan may not be there. Who knows what that means? So I'm just I'm sort of off of it. I think that's totally fair, Uncle Daryl Patterson. Um, he's a free agent at the end of this year as well. I don't see oh, yeah. any world where he doesn't come back to Atlanta, or at least Atlanta don't want him to be a big part of it. I think maybe the one thing that will save him. Uh, at least from being displaced by a rookie or an early round rookie, is there's just so many holes on that Atlanta team that they can't afford to um, waste the capital you'd need on probably a, a day one or two running back who is going to displace him from the moment he comes into the building. But there's no reason why they, they can't pair Mike Davis and Cordarrell Patterson with um, Sony Michelle, Jeff Wilson, Marlon Mack, someone like that. Uh, and, and it becomes yeah. a three headed underwhelming monster I'd, I'd be more interested in Cordaro Patterson if that was the case because you think he's probably going to be able to be more explosive uh, with some other people around him and taking that pressure off if you're having to give him the ball 20 times a game then you're not going to get that value from him but then you're almost back to okay he's Cordaro Patterson again He's this offensive weapon who can do anything but maybe doesn't get the opportunity to. So I'm right there with you. I had no interest. I, I kind of had no interest in him this season, and I was uh, so effusive in not wanting any part of him that even when he blew up, I just, again, no interest in him. I, I, I ended up getting him in at least one league, but it was sort of like I was just waiting for the bomb to fall out and I ended up trading him maybe a tad too early. But it, you know, I was sort of like, I was trying to sell super high and I did. And uh, I just traded for DK Metcalf, who decided to not play football for, you know, the middle part of the season there. Um, <laughs> my other thing with Patterson, right, is that like you look at his per game log and his, his yards per average and yards per catch and like they seem really high, but he was like very big play dependent. I felt like he had like one or two like big plays every game. And maybe that's just what we can expect from him. But otherwise, man, it was like this is the Atlanta offense, right? It was just bad. And so he looked bad. It was very inefficient ball outside of like two or three plays every game. Yeah. And early in the season, he was getting those big plays. Like you say, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden those, and this can happen to players, not just Cordero Pass, any kind of explosive big play player where those early season 60 yard runs slowly become 40 and then all of a sudden they're kind of 15 and they're getting mm-hmm. mowed down you know it happens to the best of us we slow we slow down <laughs> the longer we the longer we do whatever it is that we're doing but um that's the price you pay for i guess a a big play player i guess that's kind of why we're having this segment uh or this discussion is looking at 
there all, it's always going to be a discussion a discussion around who's got sustainable value. And I'm sure he won't come up because he's the new hotness and that's Jamar Chase. But you could look at that and go, there's likely to be an element of regression there. Like, do you want to pay up for big play production when teams are going to have another year of film on him? Well, I think for, for Patterson's case, I think, one, because everybody picked him up on waivers, the the amount of investment to return was insane. Oh, yeah. Because of that, you know, his three touchdown his three touchdown games were were weak winners. So it was definitely worth having him. And you know, when he did dud a little bit, I still would consider it worth it considering the price you paid for Cordell Patterson. But I think his versatility, especially in Yahoo Leagues, I'm not sure if it's like that for ESPN, where you could put him in the wide receiver and the running back slot. I think that also adds some sort of value for Cordell Patterson because say you're having a rough bye week or a rough injury week, you could adjust your lineup in a way to still circumvent whatever injury or bye week type of situation you currently have. I do think that the situation has to stay the same for Cordell Patterson, but I think they also need to draft offensive linemen to really Mm. aid him so he's able to actually produce on a more consistent basis and not be that big play potential threat that you necessarily need for him to actually be fantasy relevant. But other than that, I'm not necessarily staying away from Cordell. I'm not just too interested in it. I think that's where I am. Yeah, and and I just want to go back to your point about Jamar Chase. Yeah, I'm with you on I'm not drafting him where he is likely to go. I, I think there will be a lot of people looking at him as a late first round, super early second round talent. I probably have him more as a back end second round player right now on my rankings for next year. And I mean, look, a lot can change, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of regression. Look, we saw a lot of games. I did a show last night where we talked about some of the prop bets and, and the over under on, on, on chase for, for yards this week is like 80. He had over half his games under 80 yards. (laughs) <laughs> so like he was like super boom bust and like yeah he was amazing I mean overall an amazing player don't get me wrong but for fantasy man having that consistency matters especially the first two picks like yeah you know his 30 point weeks are going to win you but those weeks where you invested you know again you know you're talking about investment for Patterson investment for Chase this year was pretty small compared to what he gave you for sure so mm-hmm. next year is not going to be that way and it's the same thing with like Cooper Cup right like Cooper Cup was super cheap this year you know and he was by far the most dominant fantasy player on the board when it all came to came to close especially in PPR so like do you pay up for that you know we all did with Diggs this year and look where that got us he was still good but he wasn't what he was last year but we all paid for it so right now um, I think Diggs and Chase are going to have similar ADPs who would you rather have I think I'd still rather go Diggs Diggs assuming because uh, these two teams I don't think they're going to have significant changes in the offseason when it comes to their offense I think uh, I don't think Buffalo is going to go out and get another wide receiver I don't think they're going to if they, if they get anything on the offense I think it'll be a running back and maybe an offensive lineman other than that I think they're going to be shoring up their defense trying to figure out how to stop Kansas City um, maybe Tredavious White when he's back it'll help a lot but um on Cincinnati side, they already have stud wide receivers all around. I don't think they're going to go ahead and draft one. I think they need to draft an offensive lineman. I think that's what 100%. they're going to do. So, so if they do draft an offensive lineman and the offensive lineman does secure that line a little bit, then I think Chase has a little bit more of a potential upside than Stefan Diggs. Yep, I agree. Although on exposed form, Diggs is probably in the better situation. 
It's it depends tough. how I'm trying to build that roster. It's tough. Um, I kind of like swinging for the fences with some of my rosters and going, I want all boom bust guys. And I feel like that high school coach or now college coach who just goes for it in fourth down. And every every fourth down, every two-point conversion, they're going for it because it feels like you've got to score points to win and you might as well go all out to do it. So if I'm looking at that, it's Chase. If I have them back, really back know, in my you know I don't like right now. It's so hard. <laughs> I do have Chase ranked one higher currently, so I guess I've got to go Chase. I did these rankings like over a month ago, so I kind of forgot. <laughs> so let's see who who is in a worse division. Diggs. I mean, they Diggs. got the Jets, and I mean the Patriots are okay. Miami's not great. I mean, since he's still got Baltimore and Seattle's this uh, Seattle. Who am I trying to Steelers? Their defense is still you know usually pretty good and. The Browns' defense is good. I don't know. I feel like for Chase, there's at least potential of a bit of a second-year dip because we saw teams figure him out this year. Um, it's sophomore slump for a reason. And it's – I mean, he, he's right there with Diggs and another guy who's like, to my mind, Chase is probably has the tools to be better than him, but Tyreek Hill, where teams have figured him out. But it's whether yeah. figuring out and stopping him are two very different issues. And I think we've seen teams figure out Chase. Uh, there are other mouths to feed. I'll tell you this. I probably won't take Chase where he's going. I'd rather pay the multiple round discount and go get Higgins. Yep. That is Just fair. to get a piece of that offense. That's fair. That's fair. I agree with that take. I will take Diggs and then I, I flip. I'm taking Diggs and then I'll wait a couple of rounds. I'll take Higgins. I like that take a lot. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. As uh, as wild as this topic has taken us, let's go back to Sheehan with another person you'd rather not touch. Uh, I'm going to have this as a caveat. Uh, that this sort of extends to just about everyone in this position. But the poster boy for it is going to be Mike Williams. And I love Mike Williams. He was excellent for me in the first half of the year, fell off the face of the earth. Uh, I can see Nat has got a stupid grin on his face, even more stupid than normal. So he's going to have some comment coming up. I suppose that's how the, I suppose that's how the format works. Mike Williams, to me, is the archetypal contract year, gets paid, goes to another team, does nothing. There is no situation that he can go to that is better than being with Justin Herbert in that offense. You could argue that maybe he went to the Bills or the Chiefs. I, I, personally, I think that's a wash. That's not because Herbert is on the same level as Allen and Mahomes, but they are a slightly better offense, at least in my mind. And we saw Williams was that boom-bust big play guy, and that's who he's going to be. He's going to win downfield. He scores touchdowns. He did that this year uh, with nine touchdowns and averaging 15 yards per reception. He did it on 76 receptions to be the wide receiver 12. Ahead of him with fewer receptions is Mike Evans. The two players above him with less than 100 receptions are Jamacha, who we've just talked about, and Debo Samuel, who was also a running back. So there's a lot of water to go under that bridge for him to be that player again, particularly when we've seen him be disappointing for so long. So if he goes somewhere else and you're expecting him to be the wide receiver one, I don't see it happen. And I would extend that discussion to basically any free agent wide receiver that is not Devontae Adams. Because I think wherever he's going to go, he's going to get peppered with targets. Uh, But we're talking about Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. They're they're kind of the big names this year. (laughs) Juju, if he goes somewhere else, not really that interested in him. But Mike Williams is the poster boy for me. 
I think I've said this plenty of times how much I hate Mike Williams. Uh, he, he's up there with LaVisca Chanel. Oh, sorry. He who must not be named. He's up there with him. But I, one thing I will say is if he was to go to the Falcons, I'd be a little bit more interested in him. But right now, no. My, uh, Mike Williams is no. He, he is the definition of, oh, he has one good game. Everybody go pick him up, put him in your starting lineup. And then he goes out and gets one catch for five yards. Then you take him out of your starting lineup. Oh, then he goes off again. And then you put him back in your starting And then he does that. And that's, that's all Mike Williams is. He knows exactly when you start him. And he's going to specifically dud out for that day. Uh, just, don't, just don't do it. Just don't do it. I so I have a funny story about Mike Williams. So I had him. I have him in Dynasty, right? I've had him. I've had him since the start, twenty seventeen, his rookie year. Obviously, did nothing. The next year, eleven touchdowns, and I was like, "Whoa, all right, I got, I got a stud." Then kind of nothing, duds for the next couple of years, and then the very start of this year, obviously he goes goes off, right? Twelve targets, ten targets, nine targets, eh, four, sixteen targets again. You know, he's like wide receiver. What was he like? Wide receiver three at that point in the season. Yeah. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Hey, who wants him? Who wants him? Yeah, I got a first round pick out of that baby. And I was like, bye. And then he just just died. And I was like, ha, love it. So, <laughs> uh, like, I like I actually like Mike Williams' talent. I think he was used super improperly in the San Diego offense or LA offense uh, both actually so <laughs> you, know, you saw in the beginning of the year right they were using him in different route trees right they were using him in slants and stuff like that and then they just stopped they were just like oh yeah oh yeah we're supposed to use him as like a deep route guy deep route guy only and they started doing that again and you're like stop it this guy clearly can do more than that and they just didn't for whatever reason and i actually kind of hope he goes somewhere different with like a better coaching staff that might be able to utilize, utilize him more i still think the talent is there i'm not gonna be totally off of him but he's not gonna be somebody i'm gonna you know target specifically he's kind of in this like range of receivers for me that i'm just sort of blah about all of them but you know i'll probably end up taking at least one one of those guys at some point so just a quick little this or that we'll go brandon Ayuk or mike williams that's a guy, Yuk. Williams for me. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I'd probably uh, rather have neither, uh, but I'll take Ayuk over him. <laughs> yeah. You can't set up the game and then say, oh, actually, I'll have a, I'll have a third option. <laughs> I'm the game. Presented to either of you. <laughs> I'm the you game. both are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will take I Donnell Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. I made the rules. I can change them. That's how it works. I don't know. Like, oh, you know, yeah. they call me China in the Olympics right now, the way I'm just uh, adjusting everything to my benefit. Anyway, uh, Joe, wow. give me a name. All right. So this one's not going to be any surprise if you listen to my podcast. Uh, it's Amari Cooper. I absolutely, yes, I'm going to use the word. I hate Amari Cooper for fantasy. I think he is a good NFL receiver uh, and he's had some pretty monster overall years. But if you go back and look at his overall stats and then you go game by game he is one of the most inconsistent receivers out there and i know you you said earlier you know you kind of like the boom bust guys but he has like three games all year long where he just blows up and they are massive like 40 point game massive and the other weeks he's like single digit points and he's costing people very high draft picks. Now he's slid down the list. I think people are starting to catch on finally, um, but I, I still want nothing to do with him. Nothing, absolutely nothing to do with him. He is the definition of Houdini, where he can just show up and then just 
disappear right after. It is ridiculous. I mean, it's funny. I, I always feel like week one is one of his big weeks too. It's like he's like Sammy Watkins. It's like, yes, hey, yes, I'm so awesome, and then like <laughs> nothing for weeks. At least, at least he shows back up at least another couple times. Sammy Watkins is like, I'm done for the year, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gives you one opportunity to sell high. Sammy Watkins yes. does. If you, if you if you fail that moment, that's it. You're done with him. You're stuck. You gotta be in a league with a bunch of chumps to be able to sell him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried one time for the memes. One time I specifically did that, and then I think Sammy Watkins, uh, he did put up a thirty burger, and I think I sent a trade offer to every single person in my league trying to get something. I did it, and the week after I just dropped him because I knew it was yeah. gonna happen. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You guys, uh, you guys know Bob Long, right? The rest of the football consistency guide. He, I mean, he backs it up in there every single year that Amari Cooper is super inconsistent, and to where yes, he has value. The return on investment's not there overall. Like he's going to hurt you more weeks than he helps you. So in best ball, maybe he's fine, but in a standard redraft league, like he can, he just he's going to hurt you because he's also one of those players you can't bench him because he's got that potential of just absolutely destroying it for you. Yeah, you you can't sit him. At any point, if he's healthy, you have to start him. But that offense just has so many mouths to feed. I mean, whether they do it's now, Zeke, yeah. Pollard, CD. I mean, um, Williams has kind of shown up a little bit. Gallup. Uh, and now Cooper. And Gallup may not be there, but yeah, we'll yes, see. That's true. That's true. But I mean, there, there's still a lot of mouths to feed. And there's uh, that all, they just don't have enough possessions or enough consistency around the football to be able to just secure everybody fantasy points. Especially if they're not playing their division. I mean, when they're playing their division, I uh, yeah, go ahead, start Amari Cooper. If they're playing the Washington <laughs> football team, go ahead, start Amari Cooper. But if they're not doing any of that, then... Well, even in 2019, right? So I'm looking at half PPR points. In 2019, this is before Lamb was there, right? Started out the year 19, 12, 23, 7, 34. Uh, had a point eight. What? Uh, 13, <laughs> 16, 26. That's the first half of the year. And you're thinking... I'm good to go. That's a really good start to the year. 5, 0, 12, 17, 2, 4, and 11. I mean, 1, 2, 3, 4 out of the last 6 games were single digits and like really bad. Like not even they weren't like 9s, they were 5s, 4s. That's not good. I mean, he he's killing you. And that's without CD Lamb. You add CD Lamb to the mix, everything got way worse. <laughs> And, and he had what? What is it? Fourth round, third round draft capital to him? Yeah, this year around that, probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a lot lower than that right now. Um, for for next year, people are obviously catching on, but uh, he people there's still so many Amari Cooper truthers out there, and I just I can't do it anymore. I well never could. I'm feeling out on him uh, for a guy who I've been a, a staunch supporter of his for a long time, but the numbers just add up that you can't rely on him. And this year felt like the least reliable. And I was always prepared to kind of wear the bad weeks because he has the the high weeks. And that's the, the risk you take with the boom bust. I've stayed away from him from redraft, but he's been a mainstay of one of my dynasty teams for a while. Um, I'm kind of feeling like now's the time to get out from under him in dynasty. But if I can get him in the seventh or eighth round and redraft this year, if that's where he slipped to, I don't know if he'll fall that far. Then kind of sign me up. Well, with a proviso that I can build 
other pl- or have other players around him to offset his basically bad weeks. And, and I can start him against the Washington Commanders and start him on Thanksgiving and all those sorts of things and get those big games from him, but live with the, the point a week that he's going to deliver every year or the, <laughs> the three weeks of two that he's going to get. I did feel like the wheels kind of fell off the Cowboys' offense, and in the back half of the year, they sort of forgot what they were doing as well. And I expected... Cooper to be better, and now with Gallup missing most of the year, I actually kind of expected Cooper to be looking for a new home this year, but I think Gallup injured, he probably sticks around. Yeah, he, he's going to be price tag dependent for me. I'm not going to chase him, but if he falls to me in those middle rounds, maybe I'll take a look at him. So let's see. I'm trying to think of like a good person around that range. Like I think Mike Williams, I think that's a little too easy to pick Amari Cooper. Adam Thielen, I feel like they'll be in a similar conversation this year. I think I'll go Thielen. Thielen's too consistent. Yeah, I, I definitely have Thielen. See, I always rank Cooper higher than I'll take him just because you – so that that's another thing with the rankings. You'll find out, like, you yes. have to rank a certain way. I'm not – it doesn't mean I'm drafting that way. It just means, like, that's how the projections fall sometimes. doesn't mean I want that player. I, you know, your roster buildup is different. But I personally would want a Thielen the way that I like to build rosters. Will Cooper finish with more points all, overall in the year? Maybe because he's got that, like, super boom potential for a few games. And that's just going to – you know, that propels him – up to the top just a little bit more but i like Thielen. but they've got to figure out what they're doing there with quarterback as well too so who knows also yeah. true so i think i think this would be a good thing to revisit right before the season starts because i know obviously situations are going to change head coaches mm-hmm. whether, whether they get hired or fired or draft changes trade changes free agency changes those are all going to all alter these kind of picks a little bit but i think for the most part these players that we have talked about have consistently been disappointing whether it's been injury prone inconsistency issues or just not playing to the potential that we potentially thought that they could have been. Can I give you two more? And I won't. I won't go into analysis on them, but just two more real quick. Let's hear it. Same team, and obviously situation could change pending quarterback change. So if that happens, maybe I'm back in. But as of right now, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Nope. Oh yeah, true. Nothing. Yep. Cortland yep. Sutton has burned me a handful of times because you feel like like the situation's there for him like he's set up to succeed there's no Jerry Judy you know he, he was hurt a decent amount there's no weapons good matchup you put inside in and then he ends up with two catches for 15 yards yeah uh, it's he's disappointed they've got they've got to get that offense fixed and it's it's got to start with the quarterback i like both of those guys as a talent i just it's not working there right now no not at all I um I'm not all out on Judy. I think if you can get him at a discounted price, which you absolutely will be able to, he feels like a, a follow the process as opposed to the outcome guy. And I like them uh, when I'm looking for undervalued players. And I think in a better offense, they're going to try and feed in the ball. Sutton to me just is going to be too inconsistent. He's a big jump ball guy. Another thing I was listen- heard about on well, agreed with and heard about on the uh, the episode I was listening to of your show, Joe. The the big guy who wins in college is just a dinosaur in the NFL these days. Yeah. And and Sutton's kind of was that to begin with and then he had the knee injury. He was never really a technique guy anyway and yeah, he's probably better at winning those jump balls than a lot of other NFL receivers, but it is hard to predict. He doesn't have the the strings to his bow. At least there's a bit of craft with Judy. And I think if they do stick with Bridgewater, 
then I can see at least a path for interesting weeks for Judy. No, I don't see that for Sutton. I think they got they got to bring in somebody totally different for me to buy into these guys. Yes, if Bridgewater's the quarterback, I'm done with that offense, and then I'm going to laugh and make fun of the person who does draft those players. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Yes, I will do it on a consistent basis. I'll send it to them in the group chats, and I'll make memes out of them. But all right. <laughs> So that's enough of the 10-foot pole and people who will not be getting anywhere near close to us. But, of course, we have the biggest game of football coming up. No, not the Pro Bowl. Sorry, everybody. But the Super Bowl. Of course, the Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, everybody's heard analysis at so this point. So the Chiefs and the Bengals is the Rams yeah. and the Bengals. Clearly, oh, yeah. haven't heard enough analysis. Oh, my God. You don't really true, <laughs> true, true, true. I still, I still have the COVID bread. Uh, I'm still working on that right now. <laughs> I'll be honest. I I'm still disappointed by it. I'm still disappointed. I wanted like the Rams, Bengals, Niners, Bengals, something like that. Anyway. It is Rams. It's the Rams, Bengals. I still miss it. I still miss it. I still miss it. You wanted the Rams, Bengals. Congratulations. We got the Rams, Bengals. <laughs> Thank you. See? I manifested it. <laughs> Enough of my stupidity. Sheehan, tell me who's going to win. Right. So we're going to use... Uh, a recycled format from uh, our other show, my other oh, show, okay. the, the Great Debate. And I'm going to say each of us has 90 seconds to argue for who we think will win the Super Bowl. If one of the other people says anything egregious while they're talking, uh, if the person says anything egregious while they're talking during their 90-second window, you can throw a challenge flag and jump in and get them to justify their points. So, Nada, you can go first. Tip. Tell us who's going to win and why. And just just a reminder, it's the Bengals and the Rams playing. That's the Bengals and the Rams. I just learned who was playing. You want me to somehow create an argument? That's kind of not fair. All right, I'll do it. So let's talk about legacy real fast. And we're going to talk about Matthew Stafford's legacy and what would it be whether he lost or won. And if he lost, he's just going to be a laughing. He's, he's a meme. That's it. If he loses his game, he's a meme. And if... Joey Burrow wins, then I mean, he's just a legend at this point. Or he could be the next Aaron Rodgers, where he everybody crowns him the king, where everybody thinks, oh, he's probably going to be the next dynasty master, where he might be leading on Tom Brady's footsteps and then not win anything after that. And then he's going to be kind of like the, the NFC championship game meme of uh, the Aaron Rodgers folks. But I'm going to give this one to Matthew Stafford because I think the Rams are really good. And I think the defensive line for the Rams is far superior than the Bengals offensive line and Jalen Ramsey's good enough to keep Chase at under 80 yards like you mentioned the prop bet I would I would go with the under on that mm -hmm. one and I would probably assume Aaron Donald comes out with at least two or three sacks this game maybe even a strip sack little recovery and then of course Cooper Cup I don't see anybody on the Bengals that could cover him at that point or even OBJ and then I mean Cam Akers as long as he's holding on to the football they got a running game going I think they have everything that they need to win a Super Bowl, they're just such a complete team right now. That was a minute thirty. I think actually, sorry, that was a that was that was that was what was that? 80, 88 seconds. Good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's not that's not pretty good. That was phenomenal. <laughs> that's phenomenal. That is Beat good. That. See, that's what happens when I go first. Follow it. Yeah, exactly. You're a big game player, Joe. Do you want to tell us who's winning? 
Yeah, so I'm going the Rams also. A lot of the same points that Nader made. Um, you know, look, the defensive line for the Rams is, is top notch. They were like top three or four in the league in, in most sacks. The Bengals were top three or top three in the league for most sacks allowed. Um, and, you know, we, we saw them beat the Titans in the playoffs, allowing what was that, nine sacks nine. to Joe Burrow? The Rams' offense is better than the Titans' offense, and they're not going to be able to, you know, overcome nine sacks, you know, to Joe Burrow in that Rams offense. This is not going to happen. I mean, look, the, the Rams sort of stumbled there near the end of the, of the season. It was kind of right after all the trades, right? And things have just sort of melded together. We've seen OBJ as much as I don't really like the guy. Um, just, yeah, he's really made a difference on that team. Cooper Cup's obviously a stud, but we've seen Vaughn Miller, you know, step up. Cam Akers has, you know, has looked good at times. He's not dominant yet. You know, hopefully he just has to not fumble the ball away for them in order to stay in it. But I just... I do think it's going to be a close game, probably field goal game 27-24 is is where I'm going with it uh, in favor of the Rams. But just I think the overall talent on that Rams side is going to overtake the Bengals and this hot run that they're on. So that's my take. Minute 24. Beat it. Yeah. (laughs) How? No, no. I was a minute 26, right? Minute 22. Minute 22. That's not fair. You, you just looked at the clock and then just kind of said, all right, right when it stopped. And then right when it got to that point, you just said, I got it. I'm done. It's called clock management. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> That's not fair. All right, Shea, come on. Let's hear it. Beat it. I, I'd love to make an argument for the Bengals that extends beyond Bengal magic. Oh, they're they doing it for Harambe. The- I forgot. Never mind. I'm switching my thing. They're doing it for Harambe. There we go. They're doing it for Harambe. Um, they're doing it for Chris Wessling. Whoever they're doing it for, there is no argument you can make beyond Bengal magic as far as I'm concerned. I think if they are going to win, they need to force Stafford to beat them. And that means lock down on Cooper Cup and make Stafford make those boneheaded throws that he can do from time to time. We've seen him be really consistent this year that he's eliminated a lot of those elements from his game, or or at least they're less obvious on a better team. But he's still uh, prone. Really? You know, he threw 17 interceptions this year. He was really bad, like, interceptions-wise. He cleaned it up at the end of the season and in the postseason big time. That's why. Yeah, he, he certainly drifted in that middle part of the year. Um, if they can force him to throw those picks and they can make plays. They're just not a playmaking defense as far as I'm concerned. And on the other side, you've got Aaron Donald who is going to eat on this this offensive line. They shut him down. As you said, they've got Von Miller. There is death by a million cuts on that defense. I'm not sure Ramsey follows Chase, uh, but for me, I really want the Bengals to win, but I don't think they will. That's 128 92. I just want to see Chris Collinsworth really sad. That's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see a close up of him crying. Is That's there it. a radio broadcast I can go instead of listening to him all game? Does, uh, please. Now, here's a radio broadcast. <laughs> I'm sure there, I'm sure there will be. We we get our own feed over here in London. So I, I might just put on Sirius XM like NFL Network's like call of it or something and just because I, I I can't do a whole Super Bowl with Collinsworth, especially with his team. 
Now, here's the guy that, uh, you know, then blah, 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 exactly what Chris Collinsworth. Back in my day when I was playing, that's what he says all the time. And then he, (laughs) nobody cares, man. (laughs) And he got demolished when he played, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, Yes. That's what I want to say. I I, I think the Rams are going to absolutely demolish the Bengals just because Chris Collinsworth's calling, calling the game. And I just want to see him sad. That's about it. By the way, I had no idea how to throw the the challenge flag or whatever, but that was my attempt, by the way. (laughs) Perfect. You just yell. I like it. I I didn't know if I was supposed to have like a whistle ready or like throw a flag at my screen. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but... uh... (laughs) It's been a feature of the great debate all season, and I've never really nailed down how you do it. Okay. Um, so that, that's as, as good as anything that, that's happened. I do kind of feel like this is going to be one that I switch off and go to bed hmm. at about half time. I think this could be like three or four, maybe let's say 20 odd points in the Rams' favor. I don't want it to go that way, wow. but I could easily see it happening. If, uh, if they tra- can't keep Burrow upright, then. So, so, I mean, in theory, the Bengals, they picked off Patrick Mahomes twice. I mean, and the, the Buffalo Bills, were, who were the number one defense, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. You they want to stop Patrick Mahomes and somehow the Bengals picked him off twice. I don't know. So, so, if the Bengals could pick up, pick off Patrick Mahomes, they have the opportunity to pick up, you know, intercept Matthew Stafford. Do I yeah. think they will? No, but I think they have the opportunity. And you also got to consider, like you brought up Pat Mahomes, like he destroyed him in the first half. It's the second half until the very last drive. It was like 42 yards passing for Mahomes. It was unbelievable how well that defense played in the second half. So, yeah, can they do it? Sure. Will they? I I don't know. Um, I mean, they've obviously stopped two really good teams so far. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I think it's going to be way more of an interesting game than you. They when they switched from zone to man, they looked at a whole better a defense, and Mahomes really struggled to adjust. So, if they, I guess if they start in man, that's what I, I mean in terms of if they can make try and force Stafford to beat them, then they're in with a chance. I mm-hmm. think if they try and play bet this sort of bend don't break mentality, give up a lot of yards, then Stafford will just pick him off underneath all day. The problem with man defense is that you cannot play that all game. It is too tiring yeah. on the defensive side to play man. So you have to play a majority of zone defense and then probably third down man defense. Usually that's what teams kind of opt for. Well, they've been doing it like they they kind of play real soft in the in the first half, especially in the playoffs in the last end of the you know few games of the season. And then like the second half, they'll get real tight and you know play man more and things like that like so they, they switch it up and just make massive adjustments at halftime which has been working for them but i mean how many more how many times are you can come down from multiple scores to win a game especially in the playoffs that's so tough to do i'm gonna have to agree with you on that one so before we move on and end the show basically i'd like to ask you guys i know she has a little mini segment that he stole from me i don't know if you want to do that again um, <laughs> yes i do that's why it's okay. on the run sheet <laughs> yeah you, you, you stole that segment i don't know how to i don't know how to feel about that I, i'd like to ask real fast uh okay I, i'm sure you guys heard by now kyler murray has deleted everything that has to do with the cardinals on a off his Instagram and I think Twitter as well. Is this like him saying, get rid of the head coach? Is, is he saying, get rid of me? Is he just butthurt that he got absolutely annihilated in the playoffs? <laughs> so like, like so, something has to happen for this to happen. No idea. I heard about it yesterday. It was yesterday, right? I think it was yeah. two days ago. Yeah. Actually. Either way, it's still it's just sort of like, I don't know what that means. I know a lot of people are like, oh, here comes the Oakland Athletics. No, probably not. But I don't know. 
We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll sing Kumbaya and you know be be friends again soon. Who's got the time to do that on social media? Like, <laughs> he has, I don't. I, he has I say to do it for him. Exactly. I still have <laughs> pictures of my ex on my Facebook from like. 10 years ago because I can't be bothered going back to delete them and he's sitting there untagging himself from every Cardinals picture nah get it get a life and then it, people out there reading into it it's I guess players do it so they can be in the headline but who's to say why so uh, I'm assuming that it's going to be contract negotiation type stuff I think he is now officially eligible for an extension uh, I think year three is when you're eligible for one and he, mathematically this is year three or year four him, him going into so he is available to get a contract extension so I think he's trying to go for one and he's trying to use the oh I'll play baseball as leverage I don't think it'll work considering how bad he played in the playoffs I wouldn't pay Kyler Murray but that's just my take I think he's trash but that, that, that is a take for another time any closing thoughts before we move on a Sheehan segment? I got nothing. Nah, cool. Sheehan, lead it. <laughs> well, it's still only me stealing your segment because I haven't rebranded it yet. Yeah, so, okay, that's fair. The question is really for Joe here, and that's, well, it's a two-parter. One part is actually on the run sheet. The other part is not. So the first part of this is, what, what, are, you, what are you drinking Super Bowl Sunday? And, ah, right. what, what, and what advice do you have for people who, you know, it's, it's a big drinking day. What are you... <clears throat> What do you recommend for people who might be getting stuck into uh, some high ABV uh, options on the day? So for me, uh, I will be drinking. I had not picked out my my stuff for the weekend. I got some stuff in the fridge, but it's all just my normal stuff. I like to try to go buy some some special stuff that I haven't had before. But it'll be some sort of IPA, probably a double or an imperial. Uh, they are usually high ABVs. Um, all I got to say is take it slow. Uh, it's, it can be a very long game. And no matter how much food you eat, it's not going to matter. Um, so, yes, you don't <laughs> want to be that guy that's will party passing out of the third quarter or just being a total buffoon. Um, so, yeah, just just take it easy. Enjoy the game. You know, two, three max, I would say, during the game, especially if they're the higher ones. Just, you know, have fun with it, though, and, and enjoy whatever you are drinking. And if you do drink. Good advice all around. Drink responsibly, as always. <laughs> I uh, certainly have been guilty of going a little bit too hard too early. Oh, so yes, I'm a, me too. I'm a, I'm a one can per quarter. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I would all end up falling. That uh, that overtime game a few years ago got me. I was like, I was like, oh man, I got all hyped. I was like, wait, do I get another one? Yeah, and then yeah, that was a mistake. The next morning at work, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna die on the hill. Super Bowl should be on a Saturday. There's yes, no absolutely. reason. There's no reason for it to be on. Or Monday needs to be a holiday. One of the two. In Cincy, it is. Come on, they know better. <laughs> the um the AFL Grand Final in Australia is played on a Saturday, and then not only that is where I'm from, my state has the Monday off as well afterwards. So, you know, that's that's the perfect setup. Three day weekend, get into it. I, I don't know. I don't know why it's a Sunday, and then it's it's obviously rubbish for me over here because it's then kicks off at eleven thirty or something at night. Oh jeez. You're rolling into work the next day. And ever since the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl, I've either taken the day off or worked from home deliberately because I struggled through that day. Um, yeah. Having stayed up to watch Brady lose, which was was very disappointing. We didn't really get into Brady or the Washington Commanders or anything this week, Nana. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll catch up with that next week. Yeah, we, we, we got lots of time for that. We got we, lots we, of time. We did, I was going to say we don't have time now. My last question for you, Joe, is what one piece of advice do you have to make our listeners a better fantasy player for the next season? 
My number one piece of advice is do not go into a draft with a set strategy. You cannot go into round one going, I have to get a running back. And then round two, I have to get a running back or, you know, whatever. Like you can't pigeonhole yourself into you got to get a position here. You got to get a position there. Play the board, find the values. That's how you're going to win. Yep. I disagree. Very good advice. I know you you have one strategy, which is the running, running backs, back. running backs, running backs, running backs. And then yeah. if in doubt, take a running back. Is if in doubt, take a running back. You see a running back, you take running back. It's like, you know, monkey see banana, take banana. That's just how it is. <laughs> Bananas the running back, you take it. That's it. Like you can never you never have a bad team when you have running backs. That's it. Like, you know, when you look at your opponent's roster that you're playing that week and you see something like Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, or like Nick Chubb, something like that, and you're in their starting lineup, you're like, oh, like I probably lost this week, you know, I'll look next week, you know, but if you see somebody like Tyreek Hill and then Antonio Gibson and, and then like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire on the other guy's roster because roster, that's how he drafted the first three picks. You're like, eh, I probably won. I'll, I'll move on. There are lots and lots of lots of running backs who went in the first and second round that I could argue, counter argue yes. that with big yes. time. I don't yeah. disagree with you there on that point, because this year it felt like Unless it's not just this year, it's not just this year. It's like every year, dude. Yeah, but that's why you draft a bunch of running backs. Oh, one doesn't work out. I will. So especially early on, like I'll load up in running backs in the middle rounds for sure. Like, you know, but I still want the value. At some point, I've got to take a running back. I'm not saying not take running backs, but I'm saying like you can't. Oh, you can't you can't lock yourself into a strategy of running back receiver, running back, running back, or whatever. Like you never know who's actually gonna fall to you. And you like you can just look at it and be like, Oh no, there's no way I can pass this guy up. And I wanted to take somebody else here, but you know, that's gonna make my team so much better and I'll just figure something out later. That's the way I that's the way I feel like. And look, the waiver wire plays so much of, of a difference in the in the leagues, like you'll figure it out. You should. Now, if if you're in the first round, half-point PPR league, and you're like the seventh pick, there's like Devontae Adams, assuming, you know, let's assume the Green Bay situation stays the same. You know, Aaron Rodgers there, Devontae's there. You're at, you're at the seventh pick overall, and you see Devontae Adams and Nick Chubb. Half-point PPR, which one are you going to go? Adams. Adams? Yeah. Sheehan? Probably Chubb. Yeah, Pro- probably Chubb, but also this is I'm, I'm trying to debut the club sandwich method of drafting this year. So uh, Chubb fits into that nicely, and also his name rhymes with with club, which is why it's a good. Okay. Pick. Right. That's fair. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm always a wide receiver over running back guy. I think the positional positional value between them is not what people want you to believe, not what people have you believe, and I think so many of the industry experts kind of grew up, if you like, on the you need RBs, you need RBs, you need RBs. And it's about being ahead of the curve and finding the value before the rest of the industry or the rest of the people you're playing with. And that, that's why I think it, the value is wide receiver. That, that was born out this year, uh, Nada, because my hands are covered in silverware and yours are not. That's not fair because I did win a league, so I do have silverware. Yeah, but did you win six of them? No, no, unfortunately, I took. I've already talked about this. How do how do I make the championship? And what was it like? I think five leagues and only come out with like one. I mean, oh, you sound like my luck. In the, he didn't know who was playing in the Super Bowl. You probably yeah, didn't know who in the championship. True, probably honestly. <laughs> if I relook at those schedule, uh, relook at those leagues, I was probably last place on all of them, and I was just. 
I was just having COVID brain once again. But all right, that's going to have to wrap up this episode. I think we just topped the hour mark total. Of course, this was a fun episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like talking about people I hate. It's fun. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. But of course, Joe, where could everybody find you? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at F6P underscore Joe. Uh, the site is fantasy6pack.net. And um, we're going to be <clears throat> hopefully doing a, a rebranding, a redesign of the site here in the next week or so so something to look forward to not gonna be groundbreaking but uh it'll just be a little bit of a cleaner feel to the site easier to navigate and things like that obviously the fantasy six pack hour as well which we air thursday nights usually around nine o'clock live uh eastern time and yeah that that's pretty much it uh i want to say thanks again guys for having me on i had a blast there we go of course thanks for thanks for joining us as always, I'm at Sheehan Solo on Twitter. Um, you can start today with everything we're doing. For Cross the Sleeperwire team, we have a bunch of writers digging into this year's rookie class. I'm not one of them just yet. Fate continues to conspire against me from actually delving too deeply into tape, but you can stay up to date with everything Sleeperwire, everything Screen Pass as well, everything 32-bit over there. So um, come and say hi. Of course. You can follow me at Top Tier Tactics. I highly encourage not following because like, I'm not very active on Twitter. Uh, if you do, it's fine. Uh, Michael Florio followed me, so I thought that was kind of cool. Thank you very much. I appreciate that one. But other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. Good luck, everybody.